morning, everybody. Again, awesome. Um, how's everyone doing this morning? Awesome. I'm doing good. Uh, before I left the house, my mother-in-law apparently asked if I was getting dressed. So um, I'm, I'm having a great morning. Um, and then on the right here, Irene was like, hey, babe, your pants are really dirty. And I was like, oh, thanks, cool. <laughs> this is going great. Um, but, sorry, let me quickly log in. Um, so, yeah, so we, we lived here, I lived here for three years. I moved here in 2017, and uh, where I met my lovely wife and her lovely family and her mother-in-law, which I love, by the way, just to, like, clear that up. Um, but we lived here, and uh, some of you may know that we got a dog at some point <laughs> when we were here. And that was an interesting story. I told Luke when we got it, I felt like this was a gospel issue for us because we were adopting her. She came from a dire place, and we were really doing part in God's story. Um, that dog did not understand that reality, and she tried to escape about 30 times, uh, give or take. We got so well known in the community more than anything else was because we had a dog that escaped all the time. It got so bad that on the Facebook community groups, people would, that I didn't even know, would just like, when someone would like take a picture of our dog and be like, hey, whose dog is this? People I didn't even know would just tag us. And they would just be like, oh, that's Wesley's dog. That's Wesley and Irene's dog. They would phone my manager at work and be like, oh, hey, I don't have Wesley's number. Can you tell him his dog's out again? So um, the, I say that story um, because what I learned through that is if you struggle with evangelism and putting yourself out there and meeting people, telling people about Jesus and all of that, that was probably the greatest way I got to meet my neighbors. So um, if you are struggling to meet your neighbors, get a dog that escapes all the time and you will become very well known very, very quickly in your neighborhood and you will meet lots and lots of people. So... Um, but it's, I'm really, really happy to be here this morning. Um, it's such a treat that we are able to come to Red Bluff as often as we do. Um, we get to make tri trips over here um, pretty regularly. And it's, this is a special town in my heart. Um, I never in a million years would have thought I would move to a small cowboy town in California growing up in South Africa, and yet it happened. And I am so, so thankful to God that that happened and that this, is, this town is such a big story in my life. And um, today I'm going to be continuing the story of Philippians and Philippians. And you guys started it last week and I listened to the service and I've, who was here last week? Show of hands. Okay, so you heard Luke talk about my first sermon here. Right, okay, so let's just like get some stuff like straight, but firstly, I, wa like, I think my sermon was pretty good, okay, we'll start off with that, um, and I don't want to boast, but secondly, I've been looking at the recent sermon times on the podcast, and let me tell you, they're in the high 40s, 50s, and so next time Luke brings that up, please just point that out on my behalf. And just, if you feel like he is going on a bit long, please will someone go in the back and start doing this to him as well. I would appreciate that. So, anyways, um, moving along. So, this morning we're going to be continuing in the book of Philippians. And, uh, so it's working. Oh no, my computer's frozen awesome. Um, 
Give me one second, guys. This is just not wanting to work. There we go. Okay. Philippians 2, 12 to 18. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. Let's pray. Um, Holy Spirit, I ask that you come once again. I ask that you be with me. I ask that you give me the guidance and the light to see where you are going this morning. I ask that um, your kingdom come, that it's revealed to us this morning, that we see, get to see the beauty of your word and the purposes that you have for us as individuals and for this community, Repluff. And we thank you in your name. So about 13 years ago, I was on a plane trip to go see my friends, and it was my first year in college, and some of my friends went to university on the coast, and I got on a plane to go visit them, and I was really excited, and on the plane I was sitting next to this older gentleman, older gentleman, and we ended up talking, and um, it was weird because we just started talking and it was really, really, really easy to talk to him. How many of you had had that experience on a flight? I've, that's the only time I've ever had that experience. Otherwise, it's the worst small talk in my life and I cringe every single time. But for some reason, with this guy, I just was able to talk to him. And along the flight, he sort of started telling me that he was a missionary and that he actually lived in Madagascar and that him and his wife... Um, led an orphanage there and then he started telling me his story about how that came to be and he actually was studying to be an architect and um, six months before he was supposed to graduate he felt God calling him to be a missionary and so he decided to join this um, parachute church missionary group that was going to um, go be missionaries in different parts of the world and six months before um, he was supposed to leave, he ends up meeting this, this woman. And uh, he really felt a strong pull to him, to her. And uh, he was very conflicted because he started to getting to know her. And he knew that he was leaving, and he was leaving for an indefinite amount of time. There was no time limit on this missionary trip. And so he asked her out on a date, and they went on this date. And um, while they were on this date, this was their first date, he felt this pull from God to propose to her. Uh, by the way, this is, not, this is descriptive, not prescriptive. Please don't go and do this. But 
he he felt this pull from God to propose to her and he he said he pushed it away pushed it away pushed it away and then at the end of the night he felt this tug again from God that he needed to propose to her and he eventually said um, in true missionary style at the end of the date um, can I pray with you and so they prayed together and then at the end he said this is going to sound absolutely bonkers and I understand if you never want to hear from me again but I wanted to know if you would marry me he was like I have absolutely no money I'm going to go be a missionary in six months time and I don't know when I'm going to return I don't know when we'll be able to see each other and all of this and so she started crying and um, and he said I don't have a ring to offer you nothing and um, she started crying and she came and she pulled out a ring in her purse that her grandmother had given her and she said that she got this when she was 16 and she felt like the Lord was the Lord told her when she was 16 that he she was going to marry a guy that couldn't afford a ring and she said yes they got married and when this was then they had been married for 50 years and had grandkids and all of that sort of stuff and it was an amazing story and I'm going to come back to it in a little bit but what I've been realizing lately in reading scripture and just seeing the overall arc of God's story is that God's kingdom and its upside down nature um, often comes in scenarios that bring about his kingdom in small ways or paradoxical ways and whether it's you know God raising an orphan who was left in a basket to eventually become a co-ruler in Egypt and free people or whether it was using a small tiny boy named David to defeat one of the biggest armies during that time or you know whether it's Jesus using people of little to no worth in society who do an absolutely horrible job following him and to the extent of denying him right right after he's given them the keys to the kingdom and um, to the point where Jesus dies on a cross and through dying on the cross Jesus defeats death so the human, the human problem is that we all die and Jesus' solution to that was dying Jesus who held all the privilege in the world by being God humbled himself as servants and taking on the life of a human being and choosing to live with all the limitations that come along with that but that's not all he came to earth and he defeated death not by waving a magic wand but he defeated it by dying himself John Burr an Eastern Orthodox theologian he says this about it by his most human action an action which expresses all weakness and impotence of our created nature Christ shows himself to be God he also goes on to say that Christ shows what it means to be God by the way that he dies as a human being not only that but through death we find life Jesus by dying 
offers everyone eternal life. And it's the seemingly contradiction and these patterns that God uses in his story with humanity over and over again. One thing I've been thinking about is how Jesus went through his whole life without anybody truly knowing who he was. Jesus died without anyone really, really knowing who he was. I know that um, Peter says you are the Messiah, but it wasn't until Jesus died, was resurrected and ascended until that happened did the disciples really come to see what the scriptures talked about Jesus and who he was. Constantly he goes throughout his whole ministry where he's telling people not to report their miracles. Don't tell people who he is. And he's constantly retreating, trying to get away from the crowds. It's like he's trying to escape the fame, but at the same time, he can't avoid it. He's constantly seeking out those that everyone else had despised and rejected. And that also got me thinking about Paul. Luke gave a bit of a backstory last week about Paul and his journey. You know, he led a very sinful life before he met Christ in that radical encounter on the road to Damascus. And on a side note, I just want to say that Paul, he only saw his sin after he came to know Jesus. Paul didn't know he was a sinner until he met Jesus. And I think that's so true with so many of our stories. We only see our brokenness when we see the fullness of Jesus and God. But right after this, some people think that Paul went away for as long as a decade. We read scriptures and we don't see that play out in the scriptures. But actually scholars think that he went away for a decade after he met Christ. And that's another lesson. I think after we, some of us can have a radical encounter in Christ and we think we know everything about Christ. But actually that's just an introduction to Christ. And actually we need from then on to spend our whole lives learning about Jesus. And so right after Paul has this encounter with Jesus, he goes away for a decade trying to find out who this man was. And so integral to Paul's life and his ministry and in the back of his mind when he's talking to this church in the Philippians, in the back of his mind, he knows that part of the life of following Jesus is not being known. In 1 Thessalonians, after he's written one of the most exquisite pieces on how amazing the church is doing and how they are right with God, how they have been empowered and filled with the Spirit, he goes on to say, make it your goal to live the quiet life. I think it's fair to say that this runs a little counter-cultural or counter-intuitive to our culture today. We are encouraged every day to seek out ways in which we can promote ourselves, what our opinions are. When you open Facebook, first thing you read, what are your thoughts on today? Or if you're a business owner, you know how important it is today to be able to brand yourself and get yourself out there. Make sure people know what you are about to make sure that people know everything that you believe, all your values, all your opinions, because that's what's going to attract customers to you. 
in so many different ways, our culture is pressuring us to be famous, to be known, to put ourselves out there, to make sure we can draw as many people as we can into our spheres of influence. And yet, that's not really what we find in the scripture. We see politicians that are running our society. The only way that they can win is by how viral they get. Regardless of their beliefs or values, it's about how viral they can get. And even in our church culture, we've run into this problem where we platform only the good-looking people, only the people that can speak really exquisitely. <laughs> there we go. Um, clearly, that's why I'm not famous. Um, so we've created these platforms for people to make themselves famous in the church itself. And I just want to say, if you're a business owner or, or someone in that sphere or anything, I'm not saying don't promote your business, don't promote it. I'm just trying to acknowledge the ways in which our society is shaping us today. My fame um, actually came, my 15 second of fame actually came on this one night 15 years ago. And uh, it was in uh, front of 80,000 people in a stadium in Johannesburg and this little band called Coldplay came to South Africa and we were so excited. Oh my gosh. Uh, this is my favorite band. This is the U2 of our generation. And I was excited. And during the, during the time that they were up there, they said that they were gonna record a music video that has been viewed over one and a half billion times. And, um, if you can see that right, you see that beanie right over there. Um, that is me. So I have been viewed one and a half billion times and um, that was my claim to fame. And if anyone is struggling with fame, please come and see me. I will gladly walk through all the steps that you will need to go through. Um, so it's so easy to be able to fall into this trap and to this narrative to think that that is the way that we need to be as Christians and it's just not. And so today I really want to focus on this, these two scripture verses that Paul talks about and he says, results in your salvation, obeying God and deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And then he goes on to say, do not complain or mumble. And when he said that, I was like, what? So we've got this one statement where he says, God is working in us. And when you think about that statement, you think about the fact that the God of the universe that created everything, this God that came down to be with humans, died on the cross, started a whole new way of living this God who could do anything he wanted is now working in us and the first th thought we might have is that is amazing how can we harness that power to make ourselves famous or how can we harness that power to go out and do amazing and great things right but Paul follows that statement by saying do not complain or do not moan and 
it got me thinking about the fact that that happens so often in scripture. When Paul says lead quiet lives, he's saying that on the back of saying you have been empowered by the spirit. You have accepted the gospel. You're living lives as disciples. So live a quiet life. And it's these contradicting statements that are continuing this theme in scripture where God is saying our salvation is worked out in small ways. And he's pretty much saying in God's kingdom, our discipleship is mostly paid out in small, seemingly insignificant acts that create big impacts in the church. I'm going to ask you guys to be vulnerable. Um, how many of you have complained in the past week? <laughs> so glad we have an honest chat. How many of you have complained in the past three days? How many of you have complained in the past 24 hours? How many of you complained this morning? I filled up my car with gas and it cost me nearly $70. And that was right after I wrote the sermon. And I was going, Lord Jesus, thank you for um, depleting money out of my bank account so that I can rely on you more. And my heart was not on board with my mind at that moment. But it's funny how this incredible, mysterious God that comes to be with us on earth, that has all the power in, on the earth, is asking us to use the power he has given us not to complain. But I think this is amazing news, and I'll tell you why. When we join Jesus' kingdom, we are freed from the pursuit of recognition, notoriety, and fame, and welcomed into a life of love, kindness, encouragement, patience, and peace. We are freed from revolving our, our lives around ourselves and instead living for Jesus and his kingdom. The best part is that there's a good chance no one will ever know you outside of your community. What a gift. And I think this is particularly good news for a town like Red Bluff. A town when I tell people in Portland where we moved from, I just tell them, I pretty much just tell them I, um, I live by Reading because they just go, what, Red Bluff, what is that? Trust me when I tell you the constraints that celebrity churches have in big cities where they are famous and the preachers are known around the world. Let me tell you the burdens that gets placed on them. And that's not to say those are bad churches. I'm just telling you that those come with a price. But I want to tell you the amazing ways in which a small town like Red Bluff can have an amazing impact in the kingdom of God. The Vineyard's vision, the Red Bluff Vineyard's vision is to see the world transformed starting here in Red Bluff. And there are so many ways a town like Red Bluff and the Vineyard can seemingly make small acts of obedience to Jesus that make everlasting impacts in his kingdom. Um, back to the story that gentleman in the plane, he went on to go tell me many other stories, one of which 
he told me that he doesn't have a cent to his name. He has no retirement plan. He has no assets to his name. They live on financial contributions made to the orphanage every single month, and they just live off of that. And uh, what he didn't know is that I was a teenager going through a crisis in faith, and I was doubting God's existence. I didn't know what to believe. And he just shared his life with me. And I didn't let him know what I was going through. And I didn't see him again after that. We didn't exchange any contact details, nothing like that. And we left, and I haven't, I, I haven't seen him again. I haven't spoken to him again. And my life didn't change right afterwards after that. I didn't go, okay, I'm all in for Jesus. But what he did is he planted a seed in my heart that he will never know about. He will never know about the plant seeded in my heart. He created something, he helped create something in me with the power of the Spirit that has lasted me today, that brings me encouragement today, that I can look back on and say, God was working in my life then through that person. And it was through the smallest act of having a small conversation in a really cramped economy class seat. And we went our separate ways. That is the way of the kingdom. That is the way that God works in the kingdom of God. And that's going to happen to most of us. Most of us will never be known outside of our community. Most of us won't know what we've done in the kingdom of God in this lifetime. We are going to die and not know exactly that everything happened. But God does. And he's going to use those small acts of obedience that we have no idea the impact of in great and immeasurable ways that we will only see in the kingdom to come. So let's focus our lives on ways in which Jesus can be famous in our lives. And through small daily acts of obedience, we can make Jesus famous to other people. And there's a caveat to this. We won't be famous. This means that the town of Red Bluff may never see a revival. This means that the town of Red Bluff may never be known in the world's eyes as a mighty and great town that the world wants to see. As we've seen the upside down nature of the kingdom, this means our works and acts of obedience may only see fruit after we die. And glory be to God for it then. Our hope lies in Jesus and his returning. Our hope lies in Jesus to make all things new where we live for eternity with him as our king here on earth. Our small daily acts of obedience are ways in which we acknowledge our salvation in Christ and we know that our destiny lies in the future heavens and earth. And because of that, we know that we can make those small acts of obedience today in a way that loves others, loves God, and loves ourselves. Why don't you stand with me? Holy Spirit, I want to thank you so much that you are working in every single person right now. I want to thank you that you are making a way before all of us in ways that we don't know, but ways that we can trust. I want to thank you that you love us so deeply and that you are so faithful to us. 
I want to thank you that you are preparing a way for this amazing, amazing, incredible church to impact the lives around them in ways that they will never see the full measure of, but know will bring everlasting impact to people's lives and your kingdom. Thank you that you have a church filled with faithful disciples willing to follow you in every way that you guide them. Thank you that you have blessed this church in all the ways that they have already impacted the town of Red Bluff. I can think of so many different scenarios that this little church has made such a difference in this town. And so I ask that you continue that story with the Red Bluff Vineyard, that you continue that story of going out into the city, loving it well, following you, being faithful to you, being faithful to their families, being faithful to their community, making small acts of obedience to you in their everyday lives that bring them life and and life to people around them, that make you famous, Jesus. And that's what we want to do. We want to see people come to know you and make you famous. And so I thank you and I pray a blessing over every single person right now. I ask that they be filled with the power of your spirit to continue your works. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you everyone for being with us this morning and um, God bless.